3 and verse 17. We'll start there today. I'm starting a new series this morning about revival. And I feel like the next several months are going to be crucial for our future as a church, as individuals. And we're going to talk about revival for the next month. And I feel like the month after that, we're going to talk about prayer. Can God do it in a pandemic? Yes, he can. (laughs) Can God move during this time? Yes, he can. It's actually the best time for him to move. So Acts 3 in verse 17 in the New King James Version. Acts 3 in verse 17, if we have that. We'll start there in Acts 3. I don't think that's the verse. Acts 317. 319? 319. There we go. Hey, that's what we got dad here today. I must have wrote the wrong thing down on my notes. Thank you. We're here. Acts 319. Uh, it says, Repent therefore and be converted. Just here to encourage you guys. That your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come. From the presence of the Lord. Notice that. Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Now the Weymouth translation says that seasons of revival will come from the presence of the Lord. Seasons of revival. So that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about seasons of revival. Everybody say seasons of revival. So notice in Acts 3, not 17, verse 19, um, it says, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. Times of revival, seasons of revival. And this morning I want to preach about seasons of revival because we're entering into a season of revival. As a church, as individuals, and really this is the perfect time for revival. But let me give you some definitions first of revival as we get going. And I got many of them, but they're all really good. So when we're talking about revival, revival is a restoration of force. Revival is a reawakening of your life, of your strength, of your passion. Revival is... The people of God living in the power of an ungrieved, unquenched spirit. And I love this. Charles Finney said, Revival is a renewed conviction of sin and a willingness to repent, followed by an intense desire to live in obedience to God. It is giving up one's will to do God's will in deep humility. But realize revival is a restoration of force. It is a reawakening of your life, of your strength, of your passion. Revival is God moving in your life, but ultimately affecting others because of God's revival power in your life. And we need revival. All of us need revival. The people that say they don't need revival need it the most. 
if we're all living on this planet, we all know that we could say we need some refreshing. We need some reawakening. We need some restoration. We need some reviving from spiritual death and spiritual decay. We need some revival happening in this world and in our lives. And revival will happen and is happening, but we have to respond to it. And God wants to restore some things. He wants to reawaken the life and the strength and the passion you once had when you first got saved. When you first knew God. When you first got delivered. God wants to do that in your life. And he wants to do it in us personally but as a group of people. And he wants to do that, I believe, right now. And we're entering into a time of, in a season of revival. Now I said that we're entering into a season of revival Now, how do I know that? Because of the history of revival. I know that God wants to do something right now because of the history of what he's done in the past. And the history of revivals tell us a lot of things about the way God moves. Because we're entering into a time and a season of revival. If you look throughout history, you realize that every time there was persecution and hardships and suffering on the church it led to the greatest revivals we've ever seen if you look at histories of revivals you see that every great revival came out of a time of extreme pressure of extreme hardship of extreme persecution of extreme suffering on the world and on the church and revival happened out of that So that's why I can say boldly and confidently that we are set up for the perfect time and the perfect season to have one of the greatest revivals this world has ever seen because of what we're going through. So actually, the circumstances in 2020 aren't happening against us. They're happening for us because this is what happens in revival. This is what happens in in times of persecution and hardship and suffering. It makes you choose what you're going to do because you only have two options. You're either going to run from God or you're going to run to God. You're you're either going to lean in and and pursue God like never before or you're going to get really cold and distant from the things of God. So actually suffering and hardship and persecution and pressure can be good for you. Because it makes you choose, because when everything's going right, you usually don't have to make a choice. When you're living in times of peace and prosperity, your apathy seems valid. But it's good when things happen like this. Not that God caused it, but God can use it. Now, here's the key. We should be smart enough to not have to have things happen to us like this for us to wake up and say we need God. But the truth is, a lot of us are stubborn. A lot of us are stiff-necked. And it usually takes a tragedy to wake us up. It usually takes some suffering to wake us up. It usually takes some hardship to wake us up. It usually takes us hitting rock bottom to wake up. Not God's will, not God's best, not God's plan. But a lot of times it takes that 
to happen to us for us to wake up and say, oh, yeah, we need God here. I need God here. I need to get serious about my spiritual life. I need to get serious about the things of God. I need to get serious about my time of worship. I need to get serious about my prayer life. It doesn't have to take that, but a lot of times it does. Are you here this morning? Now, once again, God didn't cause it, but God can use it. And us as human beings, if we weren't so stubborn and stiff-necked, we would have gotten to revival without all of that. But a lot of times it takes that to happen for the church to wake up and the world to wake up. And a lot of those times, those revivals came out of that place because the church got desperate. The church got hungry. The world was looking for answers. People were looking for God. And so that sparked some of the greatest revivals we have ever seen in those times and seasons. So that's why I can boldly and confidently say today, we're set up for the perfect time and season for the greatest revival this world has ever seen. Because we have never seen it like this in our lifetime before. Come on, are you hearing me this morning? If you look at the history of revival, the early church, which is one of the greatest revivals that ever happened in the book of Acts, came out of the hardest persecution and suffering the church had ever seen. Now, they were under a Roman government that was not a democracy. It was a dictatorship. And when they believed God and when they worshiped God and when they said the name of Jesus, they didn't get Facebook comments. They got put in jail. They didn't get an email. They got sent to prison. Some of these early leaders of the church, actually all of them, were martyred for their faith. Not talked bad about at their workplace, martyred for their faith. And we think we have persecution. No, it's just because America has never faced this before. We don't know what persecution feels like. We don't know what suffering feels like. We don't know what hardship feels like. Other nations are used to this. But the early church, out of that persecution and suffering and hardship came the greatest revival because the more that the the government and the culture and the pressure and the suffering pushed them, it pushed them closer to God. It pushed them closer to each other. It pushed them closer into the move of God because they knew that God is our only answer. And if we don't have revival, we can't live. And so the early church, the book of Acts, if you read it, came out of great persecution. The great reformation that came out of the dark ages came out of a season of great hardship and persecution. The great awakening which happened in this country came out of great hardship and persecution and suffering. Even the revivals of the past hundred years, Azusa Street, the healing revival, the charismatic revival, the teaching revival, all happened after great persecution, suffering, and hardship. Civil unrest, financial difficulties, things changing, wars in this world, And the greatest revivals came out of that because people got serious about their spiritual life. They got serious about God. So that's why I know that we're in a time in a season of great revival. Because 
one or, one or two things are going to happen here. One of two things are going to happen here. You're going to see, like the Bible says, people will depart from the faith. It's going to push them away. But you're going to see another group of people that it pushes them closer to God. That they get more serious. They get more passionate. They get more hungry. They get more sold out because they need revival. Not just for them because they care about the world around them. And it's been prophesied and it's been spoken time after time again that the last great revival is still to come. We haven't seen it yet. That all the revivals of the past will be rolled into one in the last great revival. We haven't seen that yet. But we will. And I believe what we're experiencing in this world and in this country with everything we've experienced this year, is setting us up for the greatest days of the church, for the greatest days of revival. Why? Because that persecution, that hardship, that suffering, that the things that people are going through, it's making people have to make a choice right now. And because I know the history of what God has done in the past, this is the perfect time for it. But we got to realize this morning revival starts with you. Let's say this together. Revival starts with me. Now point at yourself. Say it one more time. Revival starts with me. If we want revival, if we want a move of God because we're talking about seasons of revival this morning, you got to realize revival starts with you first. The reason a lot of times we don't have revival personally and as a church and in a country is everyone's looking for someone else to start the revival. I'm going to wait on the praise team to start the revival. No, revival starts with me. I'm going to wait on the pastor because I've been dry all week and I've been grumpy all week and I've been complaining all week. I'm going to wait for Pastor Jordan to come here and pump me up and get me encouraged and then I'll get revival. No, revival starts with you. No, no, I'm going to wait for the excited people at church. You know, there's a couple of responding people that, that the rest of the people that, are, that don't respond, that, that are cold spiritually, that they get annoyed at. No, I'm going to wait for somebody else in our church to respond and, and then it's going to happen. No, revival starts with you. Stop waiting on Miss Mary and shout for you to get in revival. Hey, maybe if you're all shouting, we would have already been there by now. Do you want this today? A revival pre- preaching, I ain't playing with it in revival preaching. But revival starts with you. We say we want revival in our personal lives, in our families. We want revival in our church. When, when we say, hey, we're going to be a region-changing church because it's been prophesied. What is that? That's a revival. A region-changing church is revival in the region. It's revival in our church. But it starts with you. Personal responsibility. It starts with you. Personal Revival leads to public revival. Personal change leads to public change. Personal renewal leads to public renewal. But revival starts with you. 
And I want to be real honest today. It's going to have to take more than just me. It's going to have to take more than just a few on fire people in church that are excited. No, to really have the revival that we want to have, that we need to have, that God wants us personally and for our church and for this region, it's going to have to take everyone in revival. All in. Everyone in revival. And notice you got to be in revival personally before it comes out publicly. (laughs) So that's why I'm preaching this message today because I want to talk to us first before we talk about other things pertaining to revival. Because if we don't get us right, nothing's going to be right outside of us. If we don't get in revival first, then our church will never get in revival. If we don't have personal renewal first, our community will never be renewed by the power of God. So we got to talk to us first. I'm not talking about your neighbor. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. So I want to talk to us today about seasons of revival because we need to get it right first. Because if the world is ever going to experience revival, the church has to get right first. And the reason the world has not changed is not because the world is just big, bad, and ugly, and they got all the authority and power, and the devil's winning. No, it's because the church isn't right. All right now, somebody. I'm about to stand up on this chair. It's because the church isn't right. That's why the world isn't right. It's not their fault. Church people are blaming the world. No, they're just acting like the world. They're just acting like people that don't know God. What's your issue? You do know God. All right now, somebody. I'll go back to quarantine, guys. We'll see you later. All right. This is revival preaching. You know what's called conviction? It's not called condemnation. It's called conviction. If you feel a little bit uncomfortable right now, if you feel a little bit of squirminess in your seat, it's good. It's called conviction from the Holy Spirit. And that's a good place to be. If you can feel that right now, that means the Holy Spirit's moving in your life. He's trying to change some things in your life. He's trying to help you to repent and change and be converted. That times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. So that's what you're feeling right now. Don't push back on me. It's not condemnation, it's conviction. So notice that when you feel uncomfortable, that's actually a good thing because that means the Holy Spirit's still speaking to you. That means your your heart is, is still sensitive enough to hear Him moving in your life. That's a good place to be. If He's not saying anything, I would be scared. But if you can at least feel that uncomfortableness, of the Holy Spirit in your life. That's great. It's conviction. And that's one of the main things that starts happening when revival starts with you and it gets personal and you have personal revival, you're going to start feeling way more conviction than you used to about stuff. That's a good sign. You're on the right path. Your sensitivity level in your spirit should get stronger. The things that used to Not bother you, bother you now because your spirit man is sensitive to the spirit of God. That's a good thing. That you're quick to repent about stuff that you used to make excuses for. That's a good thing. 
that you feel grieved in your spirit when you see wickedness and evil and injustice, that's a good thing. That you can't just watch anything on Netflix anymore. Come on now, somebody. That's a good thing. And you can't just listen to anything on the radio anymore. That's a good thing. And you can't just hang out with anybody anymore. That's a good thing. Because that means that there's some conviction and the Spirit of God is moving in your life. And he's trying to change you and transform you to get you into personal revival. Y'all want it or not today? That's a good thing. Because what was one of the definitions? Revival is a renewed conviction of sin and a willingness to repent, followed by an intense desire to live in obedience to God. But revival has to start with you. Starts with you personally before it happens publicly. But with every great revival in the past, and even till now, God was always looking for someone. He was always looking for someone that he could co-labor with, co-work with, partner with. That's what your Bible says. That the Spirit and the bride say, come. The church and the Holy Spirit fulfilling the mission of God. The Spirit can't do it without the church, and the church can't do it without the Spirit. And God is looking, that's what your Bible says, for someone he can partner with to fulfill and complete his will on the earth. He's looking for a co-laborer, a co-worker that he can look at and say, I'm going to use them to do my will. I'm going to use them to spark a revival. So that's why I'm saying today, revival starts with you. You've got to get it right personally because why? God is looking for us that he can partner with to get his will accomplished on the earth. But you've got to get in personal revival first. You've got to be willing to change first. You've got to be willing to let revival start with you first so God can use you. But God is looking for someone. Every great revival you read about in history started with, a lot of times, one person. One person who got committed. One person who got sold out. One person who started praying. One person who started desiring. One person who started hungering. And that one person turned into two people who started getting hungry and desiring and praying. And then it turned into three people. And then it turned into five people. And then it turned into ten people. And then it turned into twenty people. How much more of all of us, which there's about 200 people in this building today, how much more us, if all of us committed like that, how much more could God do something? Not just waiting on someone else. But notice God is always looking for someone to do his will. That's the way he set it up. He uses us, his body on the earth, to do his will. And if we don't say yes, he will move on. He will move on. If we don't answer the call of God on our lives, he will move on and find someone that will do it. 
That should sober you up, church. God loves you, but if you're not going to obey him and you're not going to partner with him to do his will, he will move on. Now, you're still loved by God. You're still going to heaven, but you're not going to have a revival in your life. You're not going to have a move of God in your life. You're not going to fulfill the plan of God in your life, not because it was his fault. It was your own will. Come on now, somebody. So you can't stop God's move, but you can miss it. You know what, church family? I know I'm saying some things today. If we continue to do church as usual and keep going through the motions and keep putting off the revival that's been prophesied about our church specifically and the move of God in this region, God will choose another church that will do it. He will. Does that mean God doesn't love us? No, that's our choice. But it's the same way personally. If God has called you to do certain things and you won't do it, He still loves you, but he'll choose somebody else who will do it. You can't stop it, but you can miss it. I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss what God is doing. I don't want to miss what God's doing in my own life, in my family, in this church, in the world. I don't want to miss it. Anybody agree with me on that? I don't want to miss it. But who makes that choice? We do. We make that choice. But God is looking. The Bible says God looks throughout the whole earth seeking those whose heart is set on him that he could use for his glory, for his will, for his plan to be accomplished. God is looking for all of us in here to make that choice. Or God will move on. I said this uh, in the past year or so to some of the core leaders in our church. I'm going to say it to you. I told them, you know, we've been a church for 35 years. We've seen God do amazing things in this church. We've seen seasons of revival in this church. We've seen hundreds of people saved and healed and delivered. We've seen miracles in this church. We've seen all sorts of things God do for 35 years. But there has been some major prophecies in the future about this church that hasn't happened yet. Big things about region-changing church, about the great moves of God to come. Those haven't happened yet. Now listen to me, what I'm saying here. And I felt this strongly, and this has been in the past year or so, I felt like God was saying, your window of opportunity is closing. As a church, that doesn't mean next week, doesn't even mean next month. But I know if he says it's closing, we got to get moving. And that should sober us up. What is he saying? He's saying, if you're not going to do it, church, I will find somebody else that will obey me. If you're not going to wake up, church, I'm going to find some other group of people, some other church, some other individual that will have revival. If you don't wake up. And so our window is closing, church. 
for some of those prophecies to happen. Now, I didn't mean in all their fullness, but at least start to happen. So we need to wake up. That's why I'm preaching on revival. Because we need it personally, but we need it as a church. And this region needs it. This world needs it now more than ever. They need God, and they're just looking for someone who knows God and still believes in him and still believes he can save. Come on now, somebody. And still believes he can deliver somebody. And still believes that somebody can be supernaturally healed. And still believes in miracles. And still believes in signs and wonders. And still believes that there is a move of God that can change the world. People are looking for somebody who still believes like that. It's sad that most churches don't. They're just satisfied with church as usual. But you will never see any healings or deliverance or miracles or signs and wonders. We're living in a day and an age that people have so many strongholds on their life and their body and their mind. That there is so much demonic resistance and oppression on people. They don't just need another sermonette, a cigarette, and a gospel quartet. They don't just need a sermon you found in a magazine last week. They don't just need another top three songs off Christian radio. They need, come on now somebody, the power of God. They need the power of God. They need to come up and get the devil cast out of them and go home different from the way they came. And not say, no, you're fine. Live your truth. Do your thing. No, come out in Jesus' name. That's what you need to say to them. They need to know that, no, if the doctor giving you a bad report, we still believe in miracles. We still believe in healing around here. And God can do miracles. Instead of just saying, well, we hope something happens. Know that God is still a healer. And he can do miracles. We're living in a day and an age that people need other believers who actually walk in some power. Which is revival. <laughs> that they have some co-workers that actually have some power on their life. That they have some people in their neighborhood that actually have some power on their life. That they go to school with some people that actually have some power on their life. I'm not just saying in and of yourself. That's the Holy Spirit on you that gives you the power to do it. That's why we need revival. This is a good quote. There will be no true hunger for revival until we see how desperately we need it. We will never move into revival as long as we are willing to live without it. That's what concerns me sometimes as a pastor. People are okay with not having a move of God. That should bug you. Your spirit should be sensitive enough for that to grieve you. These people sometimes around you are okay to not have a move of God. They're okay living without revival. They're okay doing life as usual. 
church as usual, living in defeat, struggling to get by when God provided so much more for us. But as long as you are willing to live without it, that's your decision. But we got to realize how desperately we need revival. How desperately we need a move of God in our personal lives, in our families, in our church, but in our world. But you got to want it. I know some of you know you need it, but you got to want it. You got to want to be changed. You got to want to be renewed. You got to want to be convicted. I know it's quiet in this Methodist church this morning. You have to want it. Some of us don't want it because that means responsibility. We want the results of revival, we don't want the responsibilities of revival. We want the move of God. We want that healing. Thank you, Jesus. We want the deliverance. My God. We, we want the miracles. We want, we want the peace that brings into our life. We want that joy restored that happens in revival. But then we don't want the responsibility to change. Because now, now you're accountable for what you know and what you've experienced. And, and you know, if I get a revival, I might not be able to hang out with the same friends I've been hanging out with on Friday nights. I might have to change the people I hang out with. And I might be lonely. You want the results, but not the responsibility. Or you know what? Maybe I can't watch that show on Netflix anymore because it grieves my spirit now because there's nudity and cussing. And I've been making excuses for it. Y'all don't want this? I want the results, but I don't want the responsibility of changing and being convicted. I may have to start treating my family differently because God's convicted me about certain things, and I don't want to do that. I want the results, but I don't want the responsibility. I might actually have to get excited about my church. Like actually start giving my money and tithing because I love God, not because I have to. And because I believe in what's going on and I don't want to be convicted of that. I just want the results, not the responsibility. I might have to actually be involved in ministry of helps and stop sitting on my blessed assurance every week, taking up space and not doing anything and being a mooch. But I want the results, but I don't want the responsibility. I might actually have to start getting into my Bible throughout the week and not just wait for Sunday service. And actually start giving myself to prayer and s- stop listening to the radio on my way to work. And I-, I-, I might actually have to start entering into worship instead of looking like a, a bump on a log uh, when they are up there on Sunday mornings. But I, I want revival. I just don't want to change. I want revival, but I don't want to grow. I want revival, but I don't want any conviction in my life. I want revival, just the results though, not the responsibility that comes with it. Raise your hand if you're still here.
Raise your hands if you still love your pastor. Okay, about 50%. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth because I love you this morning. I love each and every one of you. Once again, and I've said this so many times through the years, I only preach messages that God's preached to me first. We're still talking about seasons of revival, and I know it's convicting this morning. I know it's challenging you this morning. It's good. It's shaking you up a little bit. It's getting the dust off yourself. It's getting the cobwebs out. It's getting that conviction stirred up back in you, that sensitivity, that hunger for God back again. It's a good thing. So we want the results of revival. We all do. But do we want the responsibility of revival? Now we're accountable because revival starts with you, but it shouldn't end with you. And once I get revived, I'm responsible to help other people experience revival. When I get revived, I'm responsible to take this new life and this faith and this move of God into the world that I'm living in. I'm responsible now. A lot of people don't want that responsibility. Just the results. I don't know about you today. I'm willing to take the responsibility if it means revival. I'm willing to pay the cost if it means revival. I'm willing to shut off the Netflix if it means revival. I'm willing to get rid of some old friends if it means revival. I'm willing to get involved in my church and never look back if it means revival. I'm willing to change my life if it means revival. I'm willing to change and grow and move and let God convict me. And if I got to repent 20 times a day, I will do it if it means revival. That doesn't happen if you just know you need it. It only happens when you know I want it. I don't just need this. I want this in my life. Once again, God's a gentleman. He will not force his way on you. If you don't want it, someone else will. If you you don't want it as a church, some other church will. But God wants to do this in every son of daughter in his family. There will be no true hunger for revival until we see how desperately we need it. We will never move into revival as long as we're willing to live without it. You guys getting something this morning? A couple more things I want to share with you this morning before we close. Still talking about seasons of revival. Revival means... Not just that the world's being changed. Because a lot of times when we say revival, we go, well, that means a lot of people are getting saved at my church. Or we've just been having really exciting services. That's a revival. Or back in the old time days, they used to put a tent out. Had a tent meeting. That was revival. And, And brought a really passionate evangelist. And that's revival. But think about this. Revival comes from the word revive. Revival comes from the word revive. So revival is the church coming alive, not the world. Now stay with me. 
It starts with us first. Personal revival. Because if the church doesn't get it, the world will never get it. What happens is this. Revival means revive, meaning you were once vibed. Y'all hear what I'm saying? That means you were once alive. And when you get revived, what do they do? They grab the two things. Sorry, Katie, I don't know what this is. You know the two things I'm talking about? What are they called? Close enough, paddles. Not a boat paddle, but they grab the two paddles. And if somebody who was once alive is starting to die, what do they do? And then they, they jerk. They grab the two paddles and, and they jerk. They're trying to revive them. Because they were once alive, but they're starting to die. So that's what happens in revival to the church. The church that was once alive and has gotten dead. It's gotten kind of tired, kind of sleepy, kind of worn out, kind of burned out. God comes from heaven through the power of the Holy Spirit and he grabs the two paddles and he says, do you want this or not? Because I need to revive the once alive. And he says, huh! And the church. And then he grabs the two paddles by the Holy Spirit and he revives the once alive again. That's revival. Revival is when the Holy Spirit grabs the supernatural paddles from heaven and puts it on the church, and the church revives. The church wakes up. The church gets passionate again. The church gets its strength back. The church gets its power back. The church gets its love back. The church comes alive again through the power of the Holy Spirit. That is revival. The church gets revived. Now hear me. Because revival starts with you, but it doesn't end with you. Now here's the point. Why does God do that to the church first? So that the church can change the world. So the church can heal the world. So the church can deliver the world. And so the church can see the world come alive. So that's why it starts with the church first. And that's what revival is. You're saying, well, isn't revival about the lost? Yes. But God has to get the church alive first <laughs> before the lost will ever be reached. Well, isn't it about reaching your community? Yes. But God has to wake the church up first. He has to revive him. With the Holy Spirit paddles. Say, come alive. Come awake. Because there's a broken world that needs you, church. There's a lost and dying world that needs you. And they need us now more than ever. Come on, are you hearing me this morning? Let's read a verse, Ephesians 5 and verse 8 in the New Living Translation. For once you were full of darkness... But now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of the light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. 
Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is, a shame, it is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. Now stay with me here. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. Verse 14. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Leave it there. Paul is speaking this to a church. To a church. Paul says to this church, because somehow this church has started to spiritually slumber. Spiritually act like they're dead again. And Paul says, awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. He's challenging this church just like I'm challenging you this morning. God wants to wake you up. God wants to wake you up from your spiritual slumber. In those areas in your life that have gone dead, God wants to wake those things up and for you to come out of the grave so Christ can give you life. That's his plan and that's his purpose. Let's look back over at Acts 3 and 19. Acts 3. It says, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Other translations say, like we mentioned, that seasons of revival will come from the presence of the Lord. But notice it starts with, Repent. And I know I've mentioned this some throughout the whole entire message, but repentance is the first step into revival. Of course, before you repent, you feel that conviction. Like I said, it's a good thing. You should thank God for conviction. If you can't feel anything anymore, that means you're dead. Repentance is the first step into revival. Notice it says, repent therefore and be converted that times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. You have to be humble to repent. You have to walk in humility before God and others to repent. When you are quick to repent, And sensitive to the Spirit of God, you know you're heading towards personal revival. Repent is not a bad word. You know, we live in a culture today that is really struggling with truth. And the Bible uses these verses, and it says that in the time of Judges, that there was everyone did what was right. In their own eyes. We're living in those days. And they use the excuse of, I'm just living my truth. So if everyone's right, that means no one needs to repent. Right? 
That's what the culture's telling us today. Everyone's right in their own eyes. And if they're living their truth, how dare you judge? How dare you convict? How dare you tell someone that they need to change or they need to grow or they might be wrong in an area that's hurting them? Why? Because everyone's right in their own eyes and we're all just living our truth, man. Hippies did the same thing. Yeah, you. (laughs) So if everyone's right, no one needs to repent. If everyone's living their truth, no one needs to repent. Are you seeing this because some of that antichrist thinking, antichrist spirit is getting into the church? So there's people in the church that think that they're right about everything. Don't convict me. Don't tell me to change. Don't tell me an area is wrong in my life, you know, because I'm just living my truth. Everyone's right in my own eyes. And I'm concerned because it's getting into the church world just like it is the world, that thinking. But what does that equal? No repentance. And if there's no repentance, there's no revival. If there's no repentance, there's no change. If there's no repentance, there's no growth. If there's no repentance, God can't move in your life. Are you not seeing this as a setup from the enemy? To get us all to be so prideful, we all think that we're right. And we all think that we don't need to repent. And we all think we're just living our truth and we don't need anyone to tell us differently. That's definitely not from God. That's from the enemy. That's pride. So that's something that the enemy's using in all of our lives to keep us out of revival. Because revival starts with repentance. The first word in the verse said, repent. Therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing and revival will come from the presence of the Lord. It takes humility to repent. It's funny to me that people that don't know God or the Bible love to tell us what the Bible says. Tell us what Jesus taught. I I love that. Because they will say, well, Jesus taught love and forgiveness. Pastor Jordan, that was his main message. I would kindly say back to them, yes, he did preach love and forgiveness, but you know what? He taught way more than that. Repent. Read the Gospels. Now, once again, Our idea of repentance is wrong a lot of times because when I say repent, you're thinking about the person on the corner that says turn or burn. You're thinking about the person on the corner that has a sign that says repent, you're going to hell. That's not what Jesus did when he said repent, and that's not what I'm doing either. Actually, repentance means to change your mind, to change your way of thinking, 
To realize you're wrong in some areas and humble yourself to say, I'm wrong. I can change. I want to grow. God, move in my life. But another thing I love is repentance means you were heading down this wrong path. And repentance means to turn. To turn. And so repentance is love and forgiveness. When you think about it the right way. Because love doesn't keep their mouth shut when someone's going down a road to destruction. Love doesn't keep their mouth shut and just say, live your truth, man. No, you're right. You're good. I I just don't want to get in trouble, so I'm not going to say anything. No, no, you're good, man. Everybody's good. No, we're all good. We're We're all living our truth. We're all right. No, we're not. Actually, the Bible says all of us, including me, are wrong. Oh, you want old-time preaching, don't you? Come on now, that's true. And apart from God, we're heading down a path of destruction. And even when we get saved, we still need to repent because our own mind and our own will and our own ways sometimes starts drifting off the path of God to places that are going to lead us to destruction, are going to lead us to hardship, are going to lead us to pain. And God says, repent. And a good pastor and a preacher would say, repent, because I love you. You're going down a road that's not leading to somewhere good for you. Turn. Change. Repent, therefore, that times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. So repentance is not a bad word. It's not even a judgmental word. It's actually love. God loves you so much, he tells you to turn around. You're heading in the wrong direction. Come on, are you hearing me this morning? God loves you so much, he tells you to stop going that direction and change. And me today as your pastor loves you enough to say, stop going around that direction. It's going to lead you to destruction. You need to turn around today. I love you enough to tell you, you need to turn today. You need to stop going down that path today. You need to be humble enough to repent before God, not to me, but to God, and say, God, I'm wrong in this area. I'm wrong in this area, and I need to change, and I'm sorry. Because repentance is the first step into revival. Are you guys still here this morning? I know I've said a lot today, and I thank you for being here. But unless we repent, we will never have revival, personally or publicly. The thing is, we're all in the same boat here. Apart from God, we're all wrong. Even with God, we still do wrong things and have areas we need to change. It's not condemnation. That's just the truth. I do. Your pastor does. I've repented to God this week about multiple things. Well, what is it, pastor? I'm not telling you. No, it wasn't about how I treat my mother. God brought that up, and I said, you know what? I'm going to have to disagree with you on that one. I repented about everything else, but that one, I'm standing my ground, God, on that one. I'm not budging off that one because I'm living my truth in that area. 
I'm not talking to you about something that I'm not living. I'm not talking to you about something that you guys need to do this. Your pastor has got it together. No, your pastor has to repent every week of his life. Every day of my life. Why? If you're sensitive to God, the spirit of God is going to tell you about things that are hurting you. Or areas you need to change. Or, hey, you didn't talk nicely to that person. You need to change. Or you're not thinking right about your money in this area. You need to change. Doesn't have to be some massive thing. Notice when your spirit gets sensitive to God, every little thing like that, you can hear the voice of God say, repent. But notice it's to bring us into revival and refreshing. In every area of your life that you repent and you let God conform you, you can have revival in. I don't know about you, but I'm going to say, God, my whole life, you can do that in. Not just in one area. I'm going to repent about everything. I'm going to be able to say, God, I will change anything you want me to change. And Holy Spirit, speak to me. And I am quick to repent. And I am quick to forgive because I want revival in every part of my life. Could I have the praise team come back up here? Did you guys get something today? I believe it's in the Passion Translation. It says, revive us again, oh God. Come on, is that what you want this morning, church? Revive us again, oh God. I know you will. Now, that's your faith. I know you will. Give us a fresh start. Then all of your people will taste your joy and your gladness. I'm believing that for all of us in here that today, starting today, that God wants to revive us again. Giving us a fresh start. I know that we could use a fresh start in here. That all your people will taste your joy and your gladness. I love one thing about revival. There's, there's so much in the results that we get from revival. But when I've always been in revival or seen people in revival, I love it because you see people get their joy back. They get their joy back. They get their gladness back. They get a fresh start again. They're not living in shame and condemnation again. God gives them a new start and a fresh start. And they get their joy and gladness back. And that's what this verse said, that God's going to revive us again. And we're going to get our joy and gladness back. The thing about repentance is God's mercies are new every morning. And you know, every time you repent, God will give you a fresh start again. That's how good God is. He doesn't hold your past against you. When you say, God, I'm sorry, and I repent, and I change, he goes, okay, fresh start, go. I'm with you. I'll help you. And then if you messed up an hour later, God says, fresh start, you got this, go. I don't hold the past against you. I'm going to revive you and give you a new start, but it only happens when we repent. Say, God, I'm sorry. I can change. I need to change. Well, let me pray for us right now before we sing this song. God, we come to you right now. And we say, we repent this morning. Of sin. 
of issues in our life that are holding us back, of habits, of addictions, of wrong thinking, of wrong talking, of the way we've treated other people. God, we are repentful this morning. And we say we're going to change. We're going to turn. We're not going that direction anymore. We're going in the direction that leads to revival. We thank you for it today. We thank you for it today. God, we repent. Like your word says, because we repented and we're converted, the times of refreshing will come in your presence. Seasons of revival will come from you. God, we thank you that we're entering into a season of revival personally, as a church, as a community. Father, we thank you for it. We will have it. We will see it. We do want it. We do need it. And we make that commitment this morning. We want revival. Whatever it costs, whatever you tell us to change, it's worth it. The responsibility is worth the results of revival. And we thank you for it today, Father. In you is everything we need. In you is all our peace and our joy and our strength. In you is our healing and deliverance. In you is our prosperity. In you is our salvation. In you is everything we need, and we thank you for it today, Father. We want revival in us, in our hearts, in our homes, in our families, in this church. And we will have, we will have it. Every word that's been spoken over this church, every prophecy that's been spoken over this church will come to pass in your timing, in your plan. Father, we thank you. We're stepping into it. We're not going to miss it. We're not going to miss it. We're not going to lose out. We're going to partner with you to see your will done on earth as it is in heaven. We thank you for it today. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Can we thank him for a moment just out of your own mouth? (sighs) Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you for your reviving spirit. Your reviving spirit making us alive again. Waking us up. Waking us up, Father. Thank you for your reviving spirit making us alive today. We love you and we thank you for it. Well, could we stand up today?